Welcome to Solo Sailing with Trevor White. Today I'm just going to go through and chat about sailing in Tonga, the Kingdom of Tonga, and uh, where we are now. Sailed from uh, Nuka Ulufa in the Southern Kingdom. So basically we had the King's party, uh, his birthday party, and um, it was quite a big affair. There was a lot of parade, a lot of um, festivities, people out. Everybody had a uh, like a parade vehicle. It was pretty cool. Uh, lots of happy people. Pretty um, relaxed sort of atmosphere. It was yeah, it was like fun activity to be a part of. And if you're going to sail there, it was around that time. I would recommend it. It was definitely a yeah, pretty cruisy day. So we spent the day just uh, enjoying the festivities, and then the following day we. Um, focused on provisioning so we uh, were focusing on fuel gas food uh, water was still a challenge um, but yeah managed to buy 80 liters of water from a supermarket Chinese supermarket at a very expensive price but you know you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes I think the water was more expensive than the fuel um, but Anyway, we enjoyed ourselves at the, uh, the King's birthday party, and most of our provisioning was done. We just hired a cab uh, from the wharf, and a pretty cool guy, pretty easy going, and he just drove us around to uh, fuel stops. We got about 60 or 80 litres of diesel, um, topped up the tanks, got, uh, I think, 20 litres of petrol and we also found gas so it took us a couple of days to get gas it was a bit of a bit of an adventure people sort of closed down for the uh, king's birthday and then we hit a couple of supermarkets i mean everything in tonga is owned by the chinese the i don't think there's another nationality that owns a supermarket or a food processing place that's all chinese uh, everything seems to be Snap frozen, so if you want meat, it's all frozen. Um, vegetables frozen. Nearly everything is frozen. Don't know where it comes from. The quality, marginal. Um, tinned, tinned food or frozen food. There's very, very little fresh. Like we found some you know, vegetables from roadside vendors. And to be honest, quite disappointed because a lot of that turned out to be quite um, rotten already. So I need... In hindsight, it would have been better to be very selective about the food from the roadside vendors. But yeah, we went to town, we collected uh, a decent amount of fresh veg, some frozen meat, some more chocolate for the girls, um, bought another carton of beer, a couple of bottles of Tongan rum, which is pretty damn tasty, I might admit. Um, so yeah, the other night we went out with all the boys uh, from uh, Little Fish, the other catamaran. And um, yeah, we had a big night on the on the beers at the local port there. Everybody managed to get back to their boat without drowning, which was good. But yeah, they left uh, they left a day before us, so they are somewhere in route, and um, and we're yeah a day or so behind them. Probably see them further along on the trip somewhere, I imagine. But yeah, this uh, trip we're planning to sail through the Middle Kingdom up to the Northern Kingdom and going past the um, plate or the newest island in the world, apparently, Hunga Tonga. 
to a new volcano or a volcano caused a new island to form. So basically I tortured the crew and I sailed 36 nautical miles out to sea to find the newest island and take a photograph. There was little else out there except that a rocky a rocky island looking thing in the middle of the ocean. So uh, I got my photograph and then turned around and sailed another 50 miles to an island up in um, the Middle Kingdom. So we left cleared customs, um, which was yeah, a reasonably straightforward process. Uh, went down to their facility, looked at the passports, you know, another hour wasted and um, got all our passports sorted out and had our cruising permit. Uh, we left probably about nine o'clock because we we're going to sail out to the island in the afternoon and then overnight and arrive at um, at Hafaya Island. So that was the plan and pretty much what we did. Uh, it was a beautiful day, great day sailing and um, yeah, the island was a bit, you know, understated. But um, we arrived at uh, Hafaya the next morning, which is a, yeah, it's a really pretty little tropical Pacific island. Um, so we arrived and stayed on the uh, west side. There's a bit of a bay. It's a, yeah, it's a bit shallow. I wouldn't try and go in there at night. I think uh, it would be a good place to get shipwrecked. Excuse <coughs> me. But uh, going in there during the, um, the morning, just took our time, found a, um, a berth off to the uh, left-hand side of the uh, wharf because they do get uh, ferries coming and going. And you need to give, make room for those guys or they'll just nudge straight past you. So, um, yeah, anchored up in the bay, had pretty good protection from all the winds. And the winds were coming from the um, coming from the east, which is the predominant wind. So we had reasonable protection. The island's only low, so the wind still sort of came through there. But uh, it was quite calm. Uh, Justine and Pierre went, went off looking for water. So we were still sort of run, running low on water. And uh, whilst they were off trying to find some fresh water, we... Um, or, you know, Esther and myself uh, just turned on the water makers and we were making water at the same time, doing a bit of exploring locally and um, and just chilling out. So um, Pierre and Justine are a married couple, so that gives them a time to get away and, you know, do some coupley stuff. Um, and they went and they found some, you know, local guy who apparently all the water is uh, captured off off the rain, um, rainwater. So we got 20 letters off them, and he came over and he had a meal with us that night, so that was okay. Um, and we just spent, you know, like two days there just chilling out. Wasn't much there, the fishing was marginal, there wasn't a lot around. We tend to find that at some of these islands, you know, there's there's not a lot of fish life. It's either fished out or, um, or it's just not productive for... Um, finding fish so i was hoping to spear a couple of um couple of fish but no joy and we've been towing the lure and didn't know uh, didn't get any joy there either i think the only the only fish we hooked was a sailfish coming into a nook or a luffa you know a week ago um that was a probably i don't know maybe an 80 kilo sailfish and, and within about five minutes it had snapped our line it was just too powerful for what we were running just excuse me while I take a sip of my tea. Yeah, but um, 
So either way, it was still a beautiful place to be. I think it's pretty relaxing. There's not a lot of locals around. These islands only maybe maybe have 100, 200 people on them, some of the smaller ones. There's not a lot there. I'll have a local, um, local primary school. Uh, the kids tend to um, live in the bigger cities and or the older kids in the bigger cities and go to the high schools, like a boarding college type arrangement, or the education finishes when they're young, which is sad, but um, probably the reality of the environment, and, and there's not a lot of money in these some of these places, so um, that's another factor. If you can't afford schooling and the government's not paying for it, then your children don't get educated. And that perpetuates a cycle. But, um, yeah, we spent some time there chatting to the locals, just, you know, swimming, chilling out, a bit of fishing, making water, which is my main priority. So fill up the water tanks. And the water there was just beautiful, like, you know, it's crystal clear, you know, absolutely gorgeous, you know, warm temperature. Great place just to chill out and have a, have a beer, go for a swim. Um, but from there, we, we sailed across looking for whales um, to Pangai, which is sort of the Middle Kingdom. And... The island we went to is Alua Island, which is sort of the basically the main island, but on the southern southern tip, not quite into the sort of government area. And we found this fantastic little anchorage. It was just gorgeous. You know, there was a number of resorts, small resorts um, on the beach. They were all closed or just just coming into season, so um, they were sort of still in care and maintenance. Um, you know, we tried to go in there and buy a meal and no one really wanted to uh, to um, cater to our needs. So we spent a couple of days there. We went and did some diving and um, the problem was a lot of the reef had been wrecked from the volcano and the tsunami. So the it was a little disappointing. Like, you know, it, the reef had obviously been beautiful at one stage, but you could see it was just trashed, like it had been smashed up everywhere. Uh, there's a bit more fish life, a few crayfish around or, you know, lobsters um, and a bit more fish life. I didn't spear anything there because, you know, like it was already working hard enough. It didn't need me um, taking any fish life from the environment. It certainly needed to regenerate. So we spent two days around there. It was just a really nice place to chill out. So that was um, 10 miles from uh, from south of Pangai. <clears throat> After a couple of days, we, we needed to clear customs in the Middle Kingdom before we could leave to the North Kingdom. So basically, you know, uh, in the after, like, you know, hung around there during the day and in the afternoon, we motored up to Pangai, anchored uh, probably about five in the afternoon. Like, anchoring was a bit, a bit dodgy. It was like quite a hard, hard shaly bottom. So it took a while to get the anchor down there. Um, yeah, it was somewhere I'd be a bit careful if I was anchoring late in the afternoon and I'd really dig the anchor in. I might end up having to swim on it and, you know, dig it in and you know, reverse it in. Um, but the next morning we went into town and uh, needed some more fuel, so um, went and took, you know, 60 litres, or, you know, three jerrys across. Uh, that was a bit of a challenge by itself, and the fuel depot... Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like, so we were, you know, um, we were getting fuel. It was like hand-pumped out of out of 44-gallon uh, drums. 
Um, but yeah, I would, in hindsight, I would probably have done a, a water separation filter. Um, I was a bit concerned about the um, about the quality of the fuel, so I ended up you know, using a jiggle hose and um, and not you know, allowing it to settle, and then you know, cross-loading it into my tank and leaving you know, about a litre in each one, just so I didn't get um, any water in the tank. And I find jiggler hoses are great. You, know, you just sort of you know, take them, take them off the bottom, and then just run them, and and they'll drain the tank in, gravity feed the tank into the, um, sorry, the jerry can into the tank. So, yeah, fuel there. But um, the customs people were really friendly. Like it was a couple of ladies. Um, again, difficult to find. Um, I'm going to put some stuff on a website and you know some Google images. Try and make it. You know, people find my site, they can then, you know, find uh, customs and, you know, fuel and get out groceries, things that I felt were important. But um, eventually cleared customs. I mean, I was waiting around for ages and I found I was in the wrong building and then the ladies turned up to work in the other building. Um, but we done that, got fuel, which took a little while, and, you know, we bought some uh, more fresh meat from from the local uh local shop, which again, Chinese run. Uh, locals don't seem to be running anything, it seems to be all Chinese dominated. Um, but yeah, we, you know, I try to spread the money around different places and, and buy produce from different places and just small amounts, that way you're not buying, or, you know, buying all their, all their produce that you know, the locals rely on, you're just taking you know, little bits and putting some money into the economy. Um, but yeah, we we sort of spent the night there once we'd got everything sorted out, and uh, the next morning we left to uh, to the north, head towards the northern group. And the weather was really good; like we had some great weather. Um, you know, we had you know forecast for a nice nice easterly or easterly. Well, we have a westerly. You know, um, that was easterly, I think. Uh, might have been southeasterly breeze, about 10, 10 knots. So. Again, I wouldn't be leaving these places in dark. Yeah, there's lots of reef. Uh, the lights are pretty damn marginal, if they're there at all. Um, yeah, eyeball navigation is essential. The charts, I don't find them completely accurate. Like I was, remember sailing into Pungai from the south, and I came really close to a reef, and uh, and that reef um, should have been at least a hundred metres. Yeah, further away from, um, from where I was, so that was a bit alarming, and I was yeah I was motoring along, so it was it's easy to see once I was there, but um, yeah, I, I I still didn't expect to see it, and that was I've had that happen a number of times in um, in Tonga, but uh, yeah, we left there and like we had a a really good run, you know, we um, ten knot breeze, absolutely gorgeous day. Loads of whales, um, whales just frolicking around. Like they, they sort of come in and sit, come in and have a look at you, and then they they leave. Like, and once they're leaving, they're gone. They they don't seem to hang around. Like they're um, they seem to be on a mission. Maybe it's a, they're moving to breeding grounds or something. But uh, yeah, I decided to have a play around with um, sail configuration. So because I'm running a catch, I can run two spinnakers, and I do have two spinnakers. I have a large uh, asymmetric. And I have a uh, smaller symmetrical um, spinnaker. 
which I run off the uh, the mizzen. So we uh, we ran two spinnakers and the main, and uh, yeah, it looked awesome. Like you know, boat was just cruising along, just easy heel, and we carried those for uh, what did we carry those for? Probably eight eight hours, and uh, yeah, it was just absolutely glorious day. I mean, it's I very rarely get the opportunity to fly sing, spinnakers as a uh, solo sailor or even with sh- shorthanded crew. Um, often, you know, like your crew's not experienced enough or the weather conditions are garbage. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll fly the smaller um, spinnaker by myself, so it's easy to sort of manage. But um, the larger spinnaker, I don't like flying them by myself. Uh, and I've got it in a sock, but... Um, I find, yeah, things go wrong with spinnakers and it's difficult to manage when you're by yourself. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, we, we did have a bit of drama when uh, we are pulling it down. Uh, wind picked up, so we had to get the spinnakers down. The sock got jammed, funnily enough. Not quite sure what happened. Uh, could have been, you know, got twist in it or, uh, or crew were just sort of fucking around. Um, but either way, it got twisted and then um, I had... Esther on the on the sock trying to drag it down and uh, I had the foot of the sail and trying to relay to Pierre uh, to release the halyard and we were just going to haul it in under the um, under the boom and dump it dump it into the cabin which is sort of old school you know sailor spinnaker recovery and yeah, that didn't relay very well so he didn't he was trying to release it slowly it kept refilling. Esther got lifted off the deck because she wouldn't let go of the bloody ropes, burnt her fingers, and, um, yeah, it was a complete fuckfight. So, um, but with some very loud words from Justine in French, um, Pierre got the drift, he released it quickly, and uh, we eventually got the sail in, and we didn't lose Esther, thankfully. But she did end up with some, um, you know, deep, deep blisters. So, yeah, that was a bit uh, exhilarating and uh, not a good way to end the day. But, you know, no one lost overboard and didn't lose any sails. So, um, but, yeah, I spent a few hours just, uh, you know, treating us just fingers. Um, yeah, some painkillers. She was in quite a bit of pain. And, uh, yeah, and the following, following morning, um, you know, I ended up having to, Lance the blisters, get the pus out, you know, dress those, you know, using quite sterile technique, and um, and and yeah, just keep dressing them and uh, and draining the blisters, so they didn't get infected, and you know, it was less painful for her. Um, but overall, that sail wasn't too bad. You know, we got we got up to uh, our group probably well. We slowed down again because we were travelling a bit quickly, but got up there about four in the morning and then just hung off on the um, on the west coast. So it's the main shipping channel into the Vavau Group. Again, I didn't feel comfortable going in there at night. I didn't know the place. It was quite dark. Yeah, you know, there wasn't a lot, great deal of moon, and there's just little or no shipping shipping uh, channel markers. So um, it's okay for the island ferries. Yeah, it's it's their backyard. They can go in there blindfolded, but um, I didn't want to risk it. And you've got these, you know, uh, large coral formations um, everywhere. Um, so yeah, we just 
hung off until uh, first light and ended up needing to motor sail in because the wind was against us then. So, yeah, just headed straight in and uh, ended up anchoring this fantastic little spot called Kappa um, Island. So it's basically just straight in from the uh, channel. And fortunately, there's only about two boats there, so we you know, picked a prime spot, plenty of swing room. We could just get in there and um, drop the pick. You know, still needed to dress uh, Esther's fingers a little bit, but you know, she was pretty much on the heel. And uh, yeah, the girls went off uh, a bit of paddle boarding, and um, you know, I was just doing some maintenance, you know, making water again. You know, the more people you have on board, the more water you need. And I need to make it. It's noisy. Uh, well, particularly on my boat, my uh, water maker setup is is uh, a little bit rudimentary. Um, so yeah, everybody just went off and did a bit of exploring, some snorkeling, and looking around. And again, not a lot of fish life. But what was surprising is the uh, the locals came in, and they're just in a uh, like a, a long dinghy, and um, and just started slapping the water with um, with timber boards, probably about three inches wide. Um, and they, yeah, they were, they were just attracting the fish uh, and they were getting loads of fish. They were just pulling fish up and they were just basically stunning the fish, hauling them out. And they ended up uh, driving past and, and giving the girls a, uh, probably about a four kilo trevally. So um, it wasn't dead. <laughs> it, was a, it was just stunned. So, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, being presented a half-stunned fish. Um, obviously, expectation that I'm going to kill it and, uh, you know, fillet it, which happy to do. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, so we, we ended up having fish that night. And, you know, fabulous little anchorage. It was really, really nice. But, um, you know, like these great anchorages, I don't know what it is, but, you're in there, everybody else decides they want to come and join you. So um, what is interesting, we're having the the ARC rally on at the same time. And um, they must have just been oh, coming across from Tahiti. And, uh, yeah, within about a day I had six boats in the same tiny little anchorage and I had a, a French boat sitting on top of my anchor. And I don't know what it is about the French and the Italians. tend to be these uh, Europeans. They will anchor on top of each other. I mean, I like to give myself swing room. I like to be able to swing through 360 and not hit another boat. And I set myself up for that. And then I get some fucker come in and anchor on top of me. Gives you a, a wave and a shitty smile. And um, yeah, and you've got a boat right in front of you. And now your swing room is, is reduced. Um, if you want to leave, you can't because they're uh, anchored over top of your anchor. If they drag, they're going to uh, they're going to take you out as well. Um, so I find that really frustrating. I find it rude, actually, um, inconsiderate. There's plenty of anchorages. They're just too lazy to go and find their own. They just want to come into one that someone else has taken. And again, you know, these people came in anchored, didn't swim on their anchor, so they didn't even know if their anchor was any good. And I went and swam over and had checked out their anchor to make sure they weren't going to drag and pull mine out. I mean, I, I swim on my anchor every time to, uh, or at least inspect it, to make sure that the uh, the anchor isn't going to drag, you know, because sometimes these places have got rocky bottoms uh, or they're shaly and, and your anchor just isn't set properly um, or it's just sitting behind a little piece of coral. 
So, yeah, it's, you've got to be bloody careful. And, uh, you know, sometimes it'll go from beautiful to 30 knots in a matter of hours with little warning. And that's when things get very difficult. And, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're insured, you're in the middle of the Pacific and there's no one going to help you. So having a good anchor is is the only insurance you have against dragging and potentially getting killed. So, yeah, these, um, these people that come and anchor on top of you really pisses me off. Um, but anyway, after that, I, I probably, you know, pissed, you know, got, I got a bit pissed off and uh, I decided we we're going to leave and went into, um, went up into the main town. So the main town of the uh, Fowl Group is Nafu. It was only about 10 miles away and um, I was just you know, trying to enjoy some of the uh, southern part of the island before we went to the northern part. And yeah, we went up into there and then we caught up with uh, Little Fish again. They were parked pretty much out front of the pub, which wasn't surprising. And uh, we were fortunate enough, you know, we came in and say hello and then um, found a, a, a mooring which wasn't taken, which was submerged. It was really just in front of their boat. So went and grabbed that and, um, and then negotiated to uh, use that mooring. So that was quite remarkable. There was way too many boats in the main harbour and that was the Ark Rally pretty much coming to town um, and it was quite a deep deep um, anchorage so um, it goes from like 5 metres to 20 metres in a matter of you know 150 metres so it's not always the easiest spot if the winds pick up you're um, you're then dealing with uh, boats that might have marginal anchors down or you need to go a long way up into the bay to get shallow enough water to get a decent pick in. Uh, I just felt that we were, we were fortunate enough to be on a, um, a good a good mooring and, and again dove on it to just check it out. The water in the um, in the main bay wasn't too bad. But uh, one thing for certain if you're if you're going to Tonga, uh, Fiji, yeah, you need at least a hundred metres of chain. Uh, you need a really good anchor. I would suggest a uh, a Rockner or um, Mason Scar, no, one of those styles of anchors. I had a um, a delta, and a, uh, well, I have three, three, four different anchors. <coughs> Excuse me. And the delta has proven to be um, okay in sand, in the corally, corally sort of combination of sand. It's not so good. It doesn't set as well. So um, that can be a bit frustrating. I started using the old fisherman that I had and it was anchor, actually anchoring better. Uh, but yeah, 100 metres of chain is, is the minimum you need. Um, anything less than that, you're just going to frustrate yourself and you'll be struggling to find anchorages. The downside is, you know, 20 metre anchorage, you're putting out you know, 100 metres of chain, you've got big swing room. You know, that's, that's giving you a 5 to 1, which I, I think is um, is essential, you know, 5 to 1 scope. And so your anchor is actually setting. Um, I talked to lots of people about, you know, anchors and... I'll probably do a whole segment on anchors, I think. And uh, but yeah, you're trying to get the the biggest, best quality anchor that you can. And um, I'm you know of the mindset that the Rockners and the Masons probably are better for the Pacific at this stage. Even the old fishermen, you know, I, I've used one of these for years. Typically, I use them for weedy areas where there's thick weed. Yeah, they cut through really well. Um, but they do dig in quite well into these um, coral sands and the only downside is 
they can get stuck. You know, they can dig in and then they get they get stuck, and you gotta you gotta dive on them to get them out. Um, the Rockners don't seem to have that same problem, and they set pretty well. So yeah, um, but anyway, it's you know that the kingdom of Tonga is a beautiful place, and there's loads of whales. So lots of whales. They're they're a funny whale. Like they're um, they come and look, which is unusual. I find them coming into the boats. Um, I spend a lot of time in Harvey Bay in Australia, and the whales don't tend to come to you as much. They tend you tend to go chase them. Here they come and have a look at you, and then they then they get away. Uh, and once they've gone, they're gone. There's they're not coming back. Um, and I think yeah, we're just a bit early in the season, so. Um, but you will see lots of whales in, in the sailing season, so um, do keep an eye out for them. They're everywhere, particularly around Tonga. So I think, uh, you know, up here in uh, the main the main town basin of uh, Nefu, we're, uh, man, we need to provision, need to, well, the crew's already gone, they're uh, in town exploring. Um, I need to get more fuel, funnily enough, uh, more fresh food, probably going to be up here for a week, maybe two weeks, uh, some big storms brewing, so I need to keep an eye on all that stuff, um, I think I need more gas for the barbecue, so I've been using the barbie a lot, and um, I hadn't checked the gas on that, but I think it's almost empty, so I need to chase a bit more gas, and... Um, yeah, need to check the engine hours. I think we're still good, but you know, need to make sure if I need to do a service or not. It's a good place to do it. And generally, I'm just going to go and have a good time. You know, there's a, a pub not far from where I am, probably only about 150 metres away, called the Kraken. And it looks like it's a happening sort of place. A um, bit of a yachty hangout. So I'm going to go over there and uh, catch up with the uh, little fish guys um, tonight. Um, probably try and find some things to do around town, check this place out. But town, yeah, it's not too far away. And the crew will come back and tell me tell me all about it and where we can go and get things. I'm sure I'll find out where all the co- coffee houses or cafes are. Tends to be the first thing on their agenda. Um, first thing on my agenda is a, is a, is a decent rumbo. So uh, I'll finish up all my chores on the boat. So finish up my podcasts, and then we'll start planning for a bit of a trip around um, around this northern group, explore a bit more, maybe some more whales, and a bit of diving. Uh, although the diving hasn't been great, like the tsunami certainly did a lot of damage to the reef. So maybe just diving with whales or something, and um, and then we'll do some more provisioning and plan the trip to Fiji. So that looks like Fiji or maybe um, Fiji via the Wallace Group, which is a little French island sort of north of, um, sorry, northwest of Tonga, halfway between Tonga and uh, and Fiji. That's a consideration. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a bit of crappy weather out there at the moment. And, you know, we're in a pretty safe spot uh, on a good mooring close to the pub. What could go wrong? Well, thank you for joining us and um, um, safe sailing. I will talk to you again soon.